just unleashing one? Was he thinking I need to stay in my position? But you don't need to shoot from your centre half position. Pass <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. forward. He does have a good burst. I mean, he must have burst a fucking blood vessel on his brain just before that. It was it was mad because like we were well set up as well. Brentford were hanging on. We had yeah. players high and wide. We had players in the box. Our centre half was high and wide. <laughs> <laughs> This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. I put a tweet out on our behalf, Liam, when you were away at a wedding. Just want, to, just want to clarify here, Conan, whose behalf was it actually on, seeing as I'm not doing this Twitter account? This, this is a, a tweet from the Villa podcast. There was a tweet from Conan and Liam. <laughs> the tweet from Conan and Liam went out at around 85 minutes into Brentford versus Aston Villa. And it read, this game is really crying out for Callum Chambers from 30 yards. <laughs> I shit you not, that's where I'd gotten to. Not even two minutes later, Douglas Louise, bit of integral passing from Buendia in the box, bit of cool heads, and Villa find a way through. And all I wanted to see was a defender absolutely fucking lashing one. We'll come back to that. <laughs> but my God, it was a bit frustrating for a while there for a team who have gone on a record spree 19 games in a row for a new manager in the premier league to be scoring it's absolutely incredible but i didn't see a way through there for a long time ah, there were so many passes that were so easily cut out weren't like just weak predictable passes every time it was like what are you thinking come on have a bit more zip about you and i just all i thought was the only way out of this game is a fairy tale callum chambers is going to lash one into the top (laughs) corner and it wasn't to be but it turns out we didn't need it. Yeah, I think if anyone was was wondering who runs the Villa Podcast Twitter account, do you really <laughs> fucking give him a peek behind the curtain with that tweet? This <laughs> yeah, and the, there, there are two things to say here. Brentford are annoyingly good, and we played annoyingly badly. I mean, you think about the fact that we were probably an Ollie Watkins time and his jump better away from winning the game. It's incredible and tells you quite a bit about the resolve of the team. You would be... You'd be slightly worried that the first 65 minutes gives you an insight into the ego of the team as well. You know, were, were they caught up in their own hubris the last few weeks, and particularly last week, let them sleepwalk into this game? Or or, or is one of Emmy Martinez's pre-game rituals to look deep into every player's eyes and give them a good look kiss? Like, you know, that doesn't sound beyond the realms of possibility <laughs> to me. And if he did do that, did he pass on the shits that he had as well? I mean, that would explain the lack of energy in the first hour of that game. And to play against this Brentford team, like you, you have to play, and to play the way we're playing as well, you have to be really clinical, really crisp, really clean. And we were as clean as Gary Lineker's cacks there. And there were so many, <laughs> so many poor decisions, so many sloppy passes, passes that weren't on, balls that should never have made it out of the fucking frontal lobe of the players' minds, yeah. never mind out of their feet. Like, like maybe I'm just being grumpy. Maybe the day after a wedding probably isn't the best time to watch a match and do a podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you you're making me feel hesitant about pushing on any further with this podcast <laughs> because the only other thing I wanted to talk about was the only tweet I sent out from my personal account that day and it was to an FPL account a fantasy football account and I was complaining because I just I finally made the switch it was like you know how many clean sheets are we going to keep how many chances is Alex Moreno going to create before I put him into my team um, <laughs> and there he was ready to come off in the 61st minute I was looking at Dean was standing there Villa about to make a triple sub because this goal was coming as surely as night follows day and I was like get, <laughs> get him off the pitch if he comes off the pitch I get me clean sheet points before this surefire goal goes in and they have to wait three minutes three whole fucking minutes and like it was 20 minutes really of shakiness from the start of that second half it was this goal in particular then was the it was a clearance that was blocked down we didn't get to see it because the camera was showing showing some replay about nothing that happened and then Kanza makes a stupid foul remember the old Dougie Louise fouls at the edge of the box it's a clever enough routine but my god that we get taken out by a very simple routine this is the free kick triple sub can't happen they're all waiting and then Brentford get an in-swinging cross 
Moreno isn't quick enough out. Young misses the ball at the back post. Olsen gets nutmegged. <laughs> <laughs> really has everything. And you're talking about Brentford there and how good they are. I've been reading the book Expected Goals and they're talking like it's all about how data has come into football. And actually at one stage Aston Villa almost got bought by two people with no money. But their plan was to put data at the heart of everything a football club does. They had no experience in football. They, they managed to convince a few multimillionaires to put money into their project. And it was going to be Aston Villa that was the, the one that they were going to all go for. And only because Christian Benteke got injured, that that deal didn't go through. It changed everything. It was like, hang on. like That's how you pair like, What a stupid business decision that it was all hinging on one player being fit for every single minute of the game. Like, don't buy that club. Buy another club. <laughs> anyway, in that book, they talk about the Danish team, Micheland, and the, the same owner owns Brentford, and how they, they, they basically just decided crossing forget about it <laughs> you're not getting a lot of chances from it in training going down the corners and no go zone of course when you're playing aston villa <laughs> you're going to get down the corners a lot you're going to get time to pick out a cross and you're going to often find players in the box so cross away to your heart's content well that's it and all the data would have told you that brentford were just going to score somehow and if it was you know if the least likely source of a goal is a cross in it doesn't matter in that game because that goal was fucking coming that was coming more than a 15 year old in his bedroom like this the start of the start of the second half the first 20 minutes was just a real reminder of the previous 10 years as an aston Villa fan and there was there was very little in it that would they would have you sneaking off to your fucking bedroom for a trice with your favourite sock, to be honest. I mean, I'm obviously still imbued with the romantic notions after the wedding, but it's a great it's a great ball in. Loads of venom, direction, the flight is lovely, but it's given a lot of fucking help on either end. I mean, the, it's the fucking Donald Trump across us. Like, Moreno gives it every chance of success from before it's even born by clearing any obstacles in its way and giving it the best start in life, giving it the freedom and confidence to do whatever the fuck it wants. And then Ashley, Ashley Young gave it a fucking blank check at the end. Oh, wow, I can't believe you made it as an assist. Like, Moreno's legs are gone. It felt like we had... It pumped out an unbelievable amount of sprints. To be fair to him, like it doesn't, he doesn't get anywhere near the cross. And Buemo shifts it quite well. But like, had you been there, stand like he was standing on the fucking sideline for five minutes at that stage. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> but I think he gets a lot closer. He probably clumsily fouls him. If we're being honest, and like it's a, a tough ball for Young to deal with. But you, you can't miss the ball. Like, I'll tell you something, Conan. If we can just stop our footballers missing the football in both boxes, we'd have a handy wee team on our fucking hands here. And we'd probably be challenging Man City for the title. And sure, then all fucking Tony has to do is get it on target. He doesn't need to gamble at all here. Just get it on target. Let Olsen do the rest. Imagine, imagine building a model for data in Aston Villa and it's like <laughs> the model has suggested that we should connect with the ball when we try to connect with it I don't know well it's object I'll, I'll just give it over to you you know I'm not going to form any opinion around it yeah put your foot on the ball yeah but unbelievably you're right like I, I can't believe Villa put themselves in a position to win that match and it all says something about the I suppose the character of the team and the quality, the relentless output they have, like that they can create so many chances with 10, 15 minutes of football at the end of it all. And it did sort of feel like Villa would get a big chance to get themselves back into this game. If that was from a Callum Chambers 30-yarder or if it was from Douglas Weege from six yards, who, who knows, it was going to come either way. But <laughs> nice, like, ball's getting recycled and it's a nice little clockwork, bang, 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 around the box, back into Luca Dean and he hits it across first time. Good introduction from Luca Dean, in fairness to him. Um, it's McGinn that plays it to Dean Buendia tries to help it on its way it comes back to him <laughs> oh, just to make my my the way I view football even more in plain sight for everybody else I'm thinking Buendia just needs to bang that just hit it <laughs> but Buendia takes a touch and he, he plays it across to Douglas Ruiz who has a nice touch and lovely in-step finish it was just complete composure at a time when obviously I had none, it was long gone. Yeah, and I think Dinya had caused a bit of a shit show immediately before that by doing exactly the same cross, and that yeah. obviously encouraged him to do it again. And then Buendia dummies the ball brilliantly, and Ben Mee should just slot it himself instead of, <laughs> instead of playing the one-two with him. 
And Buendia wasn't expecting it, but he does really well to get the ball under control and pass to Dudley. Really, really brilliant composure for him. And it really stands in contrast to Ben Misha and all the fucking composure of a basset hound in an abattoir. And like a commentator kept talking about how nice a finish it was from Dougie as well. That's Emiliano Buendia's goal. That's exactly the type of goal that Buendia doesn't score that I want him peeling away celebrating for because he earned it that time. <laughs> Okay, we'll leave that there. Don't you worry. We're going to come back to this commentator in WhatsApp, Winges. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You know, we were all raving about Emmy Martin as his passing, but he got that ball on his left foot and he hit that ball into the stands. <laughs> it's a weak fine for Emmy Martin. Is for... <laughs> we should also give him a fine for playing half a match. But again, I'll come back to that. <laughs> um, did Jacob Ramsey bang one from the nose of the box? I wish he fucking didn't. <laughs> Chipped it miles over the bar, and then he actually had another opportunity at the end of the game, edge of the box, and he does the old classic. He decides to send Watkins towards the byline instead, gives him a tighter angle instead of just. Well, I was say instead of just. You can't fucking give out about like all your fucking moaning led them drilling one over the, drilling one fucking flicking one over the bar with his left foot, and now you're complaining when he doesn't do it. What do you want from him? And he's twenty one. He's in the formative years of his professional footballing career here. You have to you have to be clear with your instructions. What would Unai Emery say? Don't shoot apparently because he hasn't fucking shot since Emery took over apart from that one time. <laughs> oh, I want a bit of magic out of him. I, I, just, <laughs> I just want more from him. Yeah, he needs to show me more. He needs to show me like I'm going to keep improving this club. I'm going to keep bringing in transfers, and the players need to be ready for it. Yeah, set the standards for him, kind of. Yeah, the John McGinn shot. Alex Moreno, step on up in the box. It's a great move, or best move of the half, like our only move of the first half that I can remember. McGinn, when they, a lovely interplay from those two, they, they often, when they get it right, they get it right together. <laughs> and oh, comes across to Alex Moreno, who I, I thought was just going to now shift it, do the look at Dean pass, roll that ball across. Somebody's going to be there. Ollie Watkins is going to be moving, put it across the box. And he fucking lumped this as hard as he could. Sliced it high and wide, and Buendia was not happy. Of course, he wasn't. I mean, Buendia doesn't seem to particularly be happy unless someone else scores and they can run away and pretend it's his. But like <laughs> it was, it was a really, really nice little bit of play between between the lads. And I, I couldn't believe he did that. This is not what you run to the byline. What are you doing? Is yeah. that what your role is? You don't shoot from there. It was fucking stupid. Yeah, don't be slacking off an extra eighteen yards. We know, we know, <laughs> we know you can get that. Far. Yeah. The other John McGinn shot, 95th minute, games in the balance. It looks like there's only going to be one team that goes on to win this. Aston Villa are pushing, they've got all the possession. They're cutting through them every time they go forward. Nah, Tyrone Mings decides it's me. 95th minute, he absolutely leathers one. Hi, why? This is what, 35 yards out? It reminded me of Lovren against Aston Villa, 2015 <laughs> FA Cup semi final. We're hanging on. It's like, oh my god, they're going to get through, aren't they? They're going to get through. Dejan Lovren, up steps Dejan Lovren. Only he hit it off his bad foot as well. And any worries that we had 
were all gone because of a centre half decision to have a shot from that far out. I actually think fucking Tyrone Mings made Lovren look like Bertrand Russell there. I mean, look, Tyrone Mings is slightly <laughs> on the wing as well. You know, he's he's not he's not even in the middle of the post. It was fucking insanity. I I honestly don't know what was going through his head. This is, it's so. Something it's not, it's not something that Tyrone Mings has ever attempted before, I don't think. I mean, the crowd have asked him to shit, of course. They fucking ask everyone to shit. But <laughs> he, normally, he normally turns it down. I mean, like he, his favourite pass is playing a 50 yards back to fucking Emmy Martinez. What is he doing shooting from there? Madness. It definitely like it was one of those ones where he just exclaimed out loud, what are you thinking there? Like, what? And actually, Tyrone Mings in those positions, sometimes to a fault, has a good burst on him. He, he, he likes to take a pass a tackle. He likes to go on down the wing. He gets into the side of the box. Let me see a bit of that. What's like just, just unleashing one? Was he thinking I need to stay in my position? But you don't need to shoot from your centre half position. <laughs> Pass it yeah. forward. He does have a good burst on him. He must have burst a fucking blood vessel on his brain just before that. It was, it was mad because like we were well set up as well. Brentford were hanging on. We had yeah. players high and wide. We had players in the box. Your we always... high and wide. <laughs> <laughs> Diving as a form of defending. Douglas Louise tried it again. That was for that visa goal. It was offside. I mean, <laughs> the commentator, of course, thought it was Mwemo. But um, yeah, Dougie Louise on the left facing the sideline against falls over a bit weakly don't want to see that yeah no absolutely not but like sure Jesus Douglas Weiss wants to see the ground every time he's got his back to back to the opposition goals he fucking loves it it's madness that he in a game like that as well when you're being pressed this is a team you can't do that again they've worked this out so well you can't just fucking face plant and hope that the ref lets you off that ref wasn't blown for very much as Lucadini will tell you <laughs> Speaking of not blown for very much, the linesman is getting a week's wages fine as well. Like two players get injured because he doesn't put his flag up. Um, I, uh, Janet and Kanza, and everyone says, "Oh, but that's the rule." Nah, the rule is if you're not sure, don't put your flag up. Just get fucking sure. Just have a look. I think these people are slacking off now. They're not even bothering to look. They're they're leaning on the technology. Get your flag up if it's wrong. Technology will intervene. But Jesus, like just letting this play go ahead and then when I see Ezra Konza landing on his neck because of what, what followed I was unhappy about it all yeah you're starting to sound a little bit like the cool commentator which is making me think I should hang up and end this uh, end this call very fitting that you brought that up because the first <laughs> whatsapp winch first whatsapp winch worst commentary team of all time <laughs> I, I didn't think it was that bad No, I thought it was terrible I actually put it on mute I put it on mute in the second half for the rest of the game. I ended up turning it back on when Villa scored just to see what they were saying. And they were just complaining about the defending. <laughs> so I turned it back on the mute. I thought this guy, Gary Bertles, like unbelievable that, that, that some co-commentators, and he's the worst example of it, even worse than Ronnie Whelan, they rock up and they think... They think their job is to complain about every single passage of play. I know where it's coming from. They think they're being insightful. They're being critical. They're analysing the game. But every single decision on a pitch isn't always wrong. And I know you you might think otherwise if you listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But just just moaning as well. So fucking moany. Reminded me of the time. Was Mick McCarthy doing a a World Cup one time? Maybe 2014 he was doing cool commentary as well. Just complaining the whole time. It's such a shit experience to listen to that over and over. And this is compounded by a main commentator who just can't get players right from wrong. It was unbelievable. Every time Buendia had the ball, he thought it was McGinn. Every time McGinn had the ball, he thought it was Buendia. Every time Visa put the ball in the net, he thought it was Buemo. <laughs> like, incredible carry-on what was happening in this match. And this co-commentator, I thought if the ball didn't lead to a goal, he thought this was the biggest shambles of all time. This was for 90 minutes. And of course, when I turn it back on for the goal, he's complaining about the defending. Yeah, the, the commentator, first of all, because I think he was the the least worst person of all time. <laughs> the second worst person of all time. He's like, yeah, you're right. He called McGinn Buendia every time he was on the ball in the first half. Every time. He was just shy of saying Buendia to Buendia a few times. It was extraordinary. And like, I, was, I really couldn't believe it. And when Visa scored that offside goal, he called him Tony, actually. 
He called him Tony two or three times while the camera was on Visa's face. It's not like he just saw the centre forward streaking through and thought like, oh, that must be Tony because he plays up front for Brentford. The camera was on his fucking face. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And the Badia McGinn thing as well. Like I said last week, if you're in doubt, just look at their arses, mate. You know which one John McGinn is. But that fucking co-commentator. I mean, there are a couple of things going on here. And they're all centered on the fact that he's obviously just a bit daft. But the, the recruitment process at FUBU Sports is is as much in question as some of the things this lad was saying. Like, I, I know narratives spread quicker in football than fucking John Terry spreads STIs. But the really <laughs> weird thing here was he was creating them in-game and then convincing himself they were true and then running with them. Like, Moreno took the ball to the byline early on and his cross was blocked out for a corner. And he decided he should have tossed it in earlier. And that was it. Yeah. His, his brain was rewired. It rewired itself into thinking that every time the ball is at anyone's feet, anywhere on the pitch, it needed to get tossed into the box because that's what defenders hit. It, it, was, it was unbelievable. He was just short of saying, just bloody score. Like, <laughs> he actually said at one stage, don't even, don't, he said this, don't even look up. Put it into an area. If your teammate's not there, that's their fault. Yeah. He said that twice. People can hear you, Gary. Like the lads at Fubu Sports obviously didn't bother looking up your fucking credentials. He then wandered into fucking science fiction, which you bizarrely nearly did there as well. Put your flag up. (laughs) The technology was sorted out afterwards. What does he think the technology is? It's just a camera, mate. It's not a fucking time machine. Or is he expecting the ref to say, okay, stop everyone? We, we think that's offside, but everyone just remember where you are because we're, we're going to have a look and then let the technology sort it out afterwards. But, you know, don't be fucking creeping forward or anything here. We want to make sure that after we see that this isn't offside, we can all start playing the game again from there. And then after all this, after all that absolute nonsense, he suggests that an ex-player needs to be one of the VARs. <laughs> well, if this is the fucking audition for it, you might as well have walked into the casting studio and wiped your arse with the script and asked the director when you start. <laughs> Do you know what I really hate? When you're complaining about something somebody said, but it's just after I've said that same thing as well, <laughs> and you're passive-aggressively going off on a rant about this other person, but it's completely directed at what I had said. Conan, so, that, that wasn't passive. That was not <laughs> passive about that. That was a direct hit at you and Gary. <laughs> I remember the Moreno one too, and then like when, when Luca Dean crossed it in, because I, I turned the commentary back on, and yeah, he was vindicated. He said, there, there you go, put it in the box. <laughs> 70 minutes later, I told you, and actually, with a bit of composure from John McGinn, not putting it in the box early, just sliding it down for left back who was in a better position and the left back second attempt who did put it in the box early about uh, about 30 seconds beforehand as well uh, it, it was it was all over the place it was so annoying to listen to more than anything even if he was right it would have been painful to listen to but yeah he was wrong most of the time apart from the linesman's flag the <laughs> the main commentator as well like whatever about Bundy and John McGinn's arse he thought he thought John McGinn was hitting one with the outside of his right foot uh-huh. instead of just hitting it on his left. When it was on his left, he thought McGinn that I will curl this into the top left corner with the outside of my right foot. Just going to ignore my left foot here. He didn't have a clue. Like it, it, I, yeah. I just assumed they didn't know much about football, really. Yeah, because the worst thing about this is Bendia had the ball for what felt like four and a half minutes there. He was just he ran the whole pitch as Brentford just backed off, and he ran the whole pitch. You're right with the ball on his fucking right foot. It was mental. Bendia looked very fast there, didn't he? That, like that, that's the fastest I've seen him go. I, I don't know who was tracking him, but there was nobody that. tracking him. He looked fast because everybody else in the pitch was walking backwards. <laughs> yeah, he just got him behind midfield and. Just had a little burst, and initially I'm worse than the commentator now. Because of the burst, I was like, is that Ramsey? <laughs> <laughs> These commentators were too bad, actually. <laughs> All right, let's leave that there. We'll come back with the awards. They've both got incredible arses. The face on some of those lads, like... McNeil 
Wood. Like, Wood looks like a big, <laughs> a big GA midfielder, doesn't he? Again, we'll use his arse in every scenario. He actually played a blind arse early on in the first half. Did anyone sweat more than Ross Barkley? <laughs> it actually looked like he was going for showers regularly during the game. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? John Walters' arse has never let me down, though. John McGinn's has let me down several occasions this season. <laughs> He was drenched, like absolutely soaking. We don't care about no government El Ghazi is too prone to bad runs of form. He had a bit of crack in December and he was due a bad run. He's too patchy, he's too streaky. And that performance was the equivalent of a streak of shit in the toilets of a fucking bus station. Into somebody else's bosom. Bosom of possession, I mean. You know, like a, a bosom of possession, I mean. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. Competitive one today. Leander Dundonker, the first time blind pass. Our old, awful midfield habits are back. This like, this was awful because he had space and time as well. It wasn't like he made a really bad decision. Like It's always a bad decision yeah. if you're playing a blind pass. It's always a bad decision if you're just hoping that Douglas Louise is there. Like He didn't even look to see if he was there. Never mind playing the blind pass. Hitting it first time. Centre midfielder receiving the ball from the back line, and he's just he's just hoping that 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 was a big chance that was pulled wide from a Brentford point of view. Oh, awful carry on. Look, one of the fundamentals of football, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, is to have a general idea of where the other twenty-one players are on the pitch, and he hadn't a fucking clue where any Aston Villa <laughs> players were or even any Brentford players were, and it, it's it's really feeds into or is. An exemplar of how we played as well. It was like he was looking to play that ball backwards and sideways as soon as it got to his feet. He had so much time and space to turn into as well, but he wasn't fucking interested in it. He was just playing the ball first time to make it look like he was playing the ball quickly. It was pathetic. Children will one day argue about what was worse: David the Head to Harry Maguire or Ezra Konza to Leander Dundunker. <laughs> <laughs> this was it. I mean. David De Gea, some people were seemingly pointing the finger at him for playing the ball to Harry Maguire in a lot of space and Harry Maguire who's calling for the ball. I mean, Ezra Konza is playing the ball to Leander Dundonker and even more space and Leander Dundonker is his midfielder playing in a system that requires Konza to play it to the midfielders. Ah, just take a touch and your Dougie will be there in a second. Just just look for him. Take a touch and look for him. <laughs> Who do you think was to blame? De Gea or Maguire? <laughs> Look, David De Gea stopped being a serious footballer around the same time that Man United stopped being a serious football club. I mean, they gave him three hundred and seventy-five thousand euro a week in two thousand and nineteen, and that's that's because he had given Alexis Sanchez four hundred grand a week a few months earlier. <laughs> Both retired from football the second they were given their biggest ever contracts, and that same summer they were given David De Gea his fucking. His golden watch, knowing it would be pretty safe because he hadn't made a save of his fucking hands in about five years. That same summer, they, they exhibited the same, that same methodical and analytical approach in the transfer market. When they, and I don't know if I've ever brought this up in the podcast before, when they spent 145 million on McGuire, Wambasaka, and uh, Daniel James. <laughs> but it, like, it always comes back to, to Hazard, doesn't it? Big H, blockhead. Yeah. He should be in the fucking H block for crimes against football. <laughs> but like, like the, the 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 press isn't good. Like there, there's nobody behind them. That's what I was thinking in, initially. But then I realized they're playing the man, not the fucking game here. Yeah. Like all all Maguire needs to do there is let the ball run between his legs. But the, but the Sevilla players are obviously gambling on the fact that the only thing running between his legs is a leader of fucking shit. And the 
and the only thing running through his head is a Harry Maguire compilation video with Benny Hill music, and he's just worried. Well, oh my god, I better not have to make them have to add another bar of music to this to fit this fucking scene in. That, that was atrocious because he can see the player in front of him and he still yeah. decides to play it. But what's worse is he doesn't realize that there's literally 40 yards of space behind him. It was incredible. Yeah, like at least in Donker didn't look. <laughs> Harry Maguire is looking. He's looking straight at the player and hits it first time off him and puts him through. It's, uh, it's crazy stuff. And there, there's so many outs. Like letting the ball run was obviously the way out. And that's what a good ball player would do. He could have just taken a touch. He could have cleared it. He could have passed it back. He could have found the right bike. I just, I remember you very aptly saying, and exa- like you were exasperated saying that he can't get the ball out of his feet. <laughs> this was an example. Like people were actually blaming the head. Never played that pass. Like what? Well, what United team have they been watching this year? <laughs> not seeing this is what they want. And if you even like, I know there's been freeze frames looking at the space Maguire was in initially. If you look at the space he's in, as the ball is coming towards him, the head's passed the ball, and you're right. That press isn't manic. And he could step towards the ball too, get there quicker if he really feels like he needs to. But he doesn't have to. They're not on him. They're not on him. He's got so much time to decide what to do. And once again, he decides to fuck it all up. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, uh, the second nomination for the Peter Eichmann What the Fuck Award. Robin Olsen. What? Like, what was this? He had his hands on top of the ball. He had his hands <laughs> on top of the ball. And it spilled out. It was like he spun it. Or like he had his hands planted on the ball the same way Peter Schmeichel's son thought he had his hands planted on the ball <laughs> for that Jacob Ramsey goal. And he spun it back out from like from his hands being on top of it. And then he, he tried to concede a penalty, it seems. Like, and he failed to do that. So he tried to give the penalty away and get himself sent off. And like the open net miss, my god, that was that was awful stuff. Like that was, uh, I can't believe that Brentford didn't go ahead from that position. I think it was Shad or Shade who put it wide of the net. But uh, Robin Olsen, how how did he end up in that position? I'm I'm actually talking about him. Uh, for some reason, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he should have been on the ground and like reaching for that ball. But when he got there as well, he shouldn't have lost it. But how did he end up having to dive and palm the ball away from himself? I think it's a really good idea to try to to catch the keeper off guard, but it, it's really there. There is no header from Shada. I mean, but it's a, it's a really it's really a case of overthinking something here. I mean, he's playing chess against a lad who's just graduated to playing hungry, hungry hippos from Buckaroo. Like, just take it down and shoot on target. Like you're trying to fucking pick a lock on a shoji door here. Just walk through it, and then. And, and then and I'm surprised. I'm surprised Wikipedia didn't crash when we all once again picked up our phones to check what age Robin Olsen really is. When we saw him crawling across the ground with all the grace of a fucking dog with worms, and it's and it's still not being corrected. It's still saying he turned 33 in January. How are Wikipedia getting away with this? How many times have we collectively cried? What are you doing? No, no, just pick it up. It's right there. And why in the name of God is Scheidenfreude rushing the shot? He's just seen Robert Olsen trying to move. He must know that he has four and a half minutes to get the shot away. Ollie Watkins is more likely to get a block in here. What are you doing, son? Uh, Tyro Mings is nominated for that shot as well, of course he is. And an honourable nomination for... Bertrand Ferrari's little flick in the middle of the pitch. <laughs> Chambers and McGinn were heading the ball to each other. He comes back out to Chambers at right back. He plays it into Bertrand Ferrari. He's got his back to the pitch. Of course he does. And he just decides to flick it. You know, thinking Ollie Watkins might be might be on the same wavelength. He isn't. Flicked it straight back to Brentford. He came pissing back up the pitch. Again. Ah, it's <laughs> it like classic Bertie T. Yeah, exactly. You can't nominate Bertrand Trory for what the fuck award. You can't pick out an individual moment from this lad's career and nominate it for it. He's he is a what the fuck moment in himself. <laughs> uh, it's narrowed down to and Mings is counting himself really lucky here. Dendonker or Olsen? What do you think? I think I think because Den Donker, we've seen Den Donker play well at least once. It has to be him. 
<laughs> okay. The Ronnie Rosenthal Award. Brent Deer from the outside of the boot. Yeah, the commentator thought it was <laughs> thought it was John McGinn deciding to go to the outside of his boot. This was good pace from Brent Deer, like I said. Good long ball up to Watkins. I mean, geez, such a not only is it up to Watkins, that, that long ball up to John McGinn as well. I'm, I'm very excited about Villa, their medium term future about this outlet that we have, and we use it very well, obviously, against Newcastle as well. They're two good, sturdy players to be tossing the ball up to. Just another way of getting ourselves up the pitch, but keeping defenders on their toes too. Ah, yeah, it gives you an option to play long passes and give you a platform. Like, two unbelievable platforms to play the ball to, and it's 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 on a lot because of how how good they are with their back to goal and Buendia's shot is so good I mean there's so little power in the shot but it requires a, a magical save from the goalkeeper because it's so unexpected and when you do something unexpected the goalkeepers struggle with it because that ball is pretty much trickling I mean it's got good direction on it but it's a fucking it's a really really smart shot or a good save yeah Buemo had a shot there, Leon, we flicked it over, Moreno, Tyrone Mings backed off, <laughs> yeah, it was just a nervy moment, and then Moreno redeemed himself with an unbelievable clearance, this lovely switch of play from Brentford from right to left, Ashley Young is in trouble, there's a man over, gets pulled across, you can just see it, you're like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, you know when you think you're seeing the goal in slow motion, it's a perfect ball pulled back, and Moreno just, I mean... Does anybody have recovery speed like this fella? Yeah, it's a brilliant move from Brentford. Like so many great switches of play, and Mbueno must have been watching the ball swinging from side to side a bit too intensely because he looked like he'd been fucking hypnotized <laughs> at the back post. Moreno does well, but he has to see him coming and react to it and move in and put that ball in the net. It was crazy. He's dozing at the back post. Keeper had a great save on John McGinn too, a good effort, mm. like brilliant save, tipped around, like just with his fingertips, he probably would have gone in, but no corner was given either because of that, but uh, Ivan Tony, do you remember Emmy Martin as a save, I knew Ivan Tony was getting ahead of Konza there, what? It, is, is that a bit harsh to be critical of Konza, but I knew the ball was coming in, <laughs> it's easier said than done, so just, just mark him and get the ball away from him. <laughs> <laughs> and I know the ball's played to the other side, you know. But come on, we knew where that ball was going, and Akanza was in front of Tony until he wasn't. Tony gets in in front of him, hits the shot, and Martinez is out covering everything. I'm having my hands all over the place here. He's just covering <laughs> the net, sp- sprawling himself in front of the striker. Yeah, oh no, Akanza's asleep there. He, ne- he needs to wake up. He needs to be able to. He needs to follow Ivan Tony. He needs to be on absolute red alert because as a striker, is just score or about to score his twentieth goal of the season yeah. in the box. You have to be ready for that. And the McGinn shot before that, that was again a lovely bit of play. It was good ball into feet. The lovely dummy from McGinn, and it's a great effort, and it is a brilliant save. But like that ref missed a lot worse than missing that keeper tipping that around the post. <laughs> there was almost a mirror image of what the goal was Ivan Tony crossed one from the other side and swinging into Buemo I was actually happy for a while to see Buemo because he kept he just kept missing a lot of big chances to, they were putting together a lot of good moves and it usually ended with him I don't think he was doing anything particularly bad but he just seemed to be missing a lot of big chances for them yeah, because he got <laughs> you're being very kind there because he was missing big chances against Aston Villa. I'd say, I'd yeah. say <laughs> it was a very <laughs> Danny Ings type performance. Gone, I'd say from him, yeah. he looked he looked really dangerous, but until he got the ball anywhere near the the goalpost, he looked like a fucking disaster. Yeah, there's not going to be any any beating the open net from Shada, but Buendia played a nice one through to Ramsey. Like, Ramsey had two from the edge of the box, but this one, I mean. He gets it out of his feet so well. And then, like, it goes a mile over the bar, right? But he just tapped it. I've never seen somebody hit the ball so delicately. And it just ballooned off his foot. So, <laughs> like, dramatically from such a little suggestion of a touch. It was weird how that ball just skied over the bar. Yeah, again, it was it was brilliant brilliant passes from Dougie and Bundia through the lines. Bundia one in particular, and that's a good run and a good touch, like you say, and this shit is fucking atrocious. Really, really disappointing because that was we we're still chasing the game. <laughs> like he has to score, and you can see just how annoyed Emiliano Bundia is afterwards. Yeah. 
Another big chance from across from Brentford came from the left over Tyro Mings' head. Not great from Mings. Tony at the back post misses. And then the last chance, I mean, the last play of the match, really, Callum Chambers. We thought he was going to hit it. <laughs> we all wanted him to hit it. <laughs> but he decided to cross. Lovely cross into Buendia. Watkins didn't think it was for Buendia, did he? Or maybe he did. And just thought, I'm going to get up there anyway and steal it on him. Oh, it's just heartbreaking watching it back. I actually couldn't. After I watched one replay, I was like, I am not looking at this chance ever again because I will eat myself alive. Remember how good we were all feeling all week after the Newcastle match? That this move and that image of the ball and where it would have dropped on the Bundia's head at the age of the six yard box in the middle of the nets. And we know how good Bundia is with his head. Like that was good night, Irene, for Brentford Villa stealing an away win that they never should have. And Jesus, Watkins just jumps up and gets in the way and tries to steal it. That's what happened. And he just headed it way over. It was so disappointing. Yeah, Watkins shows fucking Ben Me how to defend this time and gets it away from Bundy instead of letting them have it. It was it was dreadful. It was a really bad decision to go for it. Because he can see he runs past Bundy almost, you know, he can see on his eye line when he's running into head that and he must know that he has to leave it. Great that our centre forward showing all the hunger to get in there and score a <laughs> yeah. goal. But you want, you want him to have a bit more noise than that as well. That was bad. And fucking Buendia let him know how bad it was, of course. And runs away and gets the fucking muck off his studs. <laughs> yeah, that What you just said, though, is exactly what I would have said if this was a chance in the 14th minute. It's like, ah, yeah, you back walking to go up there. <laughs> Not for the last. Come on, we're fucking at serious stuff this time, though. Um, oh, that was that was galling, really. But Shada wins the Rossenthal Award, obviously. Do you like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award? Nobody back for the corner? What the fuck happened there? Is it. <laughs> Jacob Ramsey, remember he sprints back and has it Buemo again who overruns it. <laughs> and Buemo free on goal and cocks it up. Imagine that. <laughs> this guy was great. And uh, Ramsey just punishes him for the for the heavy. What the hell happened? Where the hell were our players? How, how did we get done from a corner? Do we think Robin Olsen against the Brentford attack was going to be enough back there? Like <laughs> Robin Olsen has it. You boys all pile into the box here, see what happens. Yeah, and I even think it's strange that Ramsey is left back there on his own. He's got unbelievable pace, obviously, so that helps, and it really helped in this situation. But Ramsey can't fucking tackle for shit. It's mental that he's yeah. it's mental that he's left back there. Sometimes, like in the middle of the pitch, he'll be able to throw a foot in because he's so fast and so strong. But like, I wouldn't want him being a one-on-one defender against anybody in the league other than Embuemo. <laughs> Uh, only one other quick nomination for you like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award ah for fuck's sake these boys just aren't ready for the Champions League are they <laughs> not, like, you, know, you, can't, you can't it's not acceptable having Robin Olsen replacing Emmy Martinez <laughs> you know, we've got no depth with no subs and I know we've got a lot of injuries well, we don't even have that many injuries but there's nobody there's nobody else there to come in nobody to make a decision he has to bring on like to change the game, he has to bring on two different fullbacks. Chambers is a centre half, and he needs to bring him on at the right back for Ashley Young, who's thirty-seven, and he needs to put on Luca Dean. And like this, this is where we're at. He needs to throw in Burton Ferrari, see what might happen there. Ah, like we're just—I I don't think we are ready for for Tuesday and Wednesday night Champions League football. <laughs> hey, Conan, you're acting like those changes didn't win us their draws the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Like, I'm, I'm actually good decisions from from Unai Emery, but this is how hamstrung he is. This is what he has to work. With, he has to create magic with this. Yeah, like, and the only other person he could realistically have brought on or would realistically have been brought on, brought on was John Duran, and he was never going to do that because he couldn't. I don't know where he would have got him onto the pitch. Bundy was any player that was playing with. I think Bundy was probably the only player playing at his levels during that game. Yeah. And he was so he was going to take him off, and he obviously wasn't going to take off someone who scored 11 goals in the last 12 games. So Durant wasn't actually a realistic... Bertrand Shorey? But bring him off for Bertrand Shorey. As soon as Bertrand Shorey tried that back heel down the way. It's like, yeah, it's not going to be one of those days. Come on off. <laughs> but we knew this anyway. We, and we knew there was a lot of... A lot of... Sur- not even surgery to do, because that, that implies that he has to... He has to fix something. He just has to get more in there. That's all he has to do. And one of the obvious places, my biggest priority would definitely be in an attacking sense because if you are bringing on, like even if we didn't have a few injuries, who else is he bringing on? Felipe Coutinho? I mean, come on. Let's be realistic here. We do need to sign 
a player that can come on along with Watkins if we're chasing the game. And a player that can that can push Emiliano Buendia to be starting as well. Yeah. Well, let's go to the Vyman meter, see the state of the nation going up. Jacob Ramsey has to go up just for a track and run back. I mean, that was uh, the saving of the game, really. We wouldn't have gotten the point if he didn't make it back there. Yeah, but like, Jacob, like, this is how fast Jacob, we ran past him way far too easily. And that's the only reason he ended up on the ball, because he was just so quick against that winger as well, don't forget, that he ended up just walking onto the ball almost. It was incredible. Yeah. Douglas Louise has to go up for just a great bit of clutch, lovely finish at the end as well. Like that, that was that was brilliant stuff. And Douglas Louise is coming up trumps with some majors uh, this season, but I think in the second half of the season as well, he's really coming good. Well, I mean, the first half of the season, there were other problems around the club, wasn't there? That might have you know inhibited Douglas Louise from scoring. <laughs> Make the case for Robin Olsen going up. Would you? Yeah, I guess it's the second time Robin Olsen has had a bit of a stinker and I was making the case for him to go up because of how relative it all is. <laughs> well, there was one that I would love to have had another look at where, as you said, the one where he's just getting closed down inside his own six-yard box by two players. How has that developed? And the very first time the ball came onto his right foot as well, I was just thinking, are you going to kick that ball or not? <laughs> and I think Ivan Tony ran past him. He very, very lucky that he didn't get blocked down there. But no, Robin, I don't care how shit he was previously. He was crawling across the ground at a ball that wasn't moving. <laughs> a ball that he had his hand on a second before that. <laughs> you thinking, sorry, are you seriously? Robin Olsen gave a lad an open goal. Gave him an open goal. And you want to put him up? Yeah, we can't put him up this week. <laughs> you sound like you need to be fucking put down. <laughs> Going down the referees. I mean, look at Dean not getting free for getting kicked in the eye. It was a strange okay. one. Getting okay. a stud in the eye. Getting a fucking stud in the eye and the referee's reaction. <laughs> nah. <laughs> like, like, unbelievable. He's got blood coming out of his face. Yeah. And he didn't even react to it then afterwards. He didn't seem to have any interest in it. He didn't go and chat to the lad who did it or anything. He just let it go because he realised, oh my... Like, imagine being a referee and being so self-conscious that you can't even correct a decision as bad as that by just even having a word with a lad. He wanted nothing to do with it. Like, he wanted nothing to do with it originally. It was fucking pathetic. Does Luca Dean go down for posting a picture of his cut on Instagram? <laughs> feel like that's a bit of an Arsenal player move, isn't it? <laughs> the time Alexis Sanchez put up a picture of a split lip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't even think of that. I just thought, <laughs> I saw that and thought, Arsenal. Like, <laughs> come on, look, I feel sorry for you. That looked terrible. The blood was pissing out of you. Very close to your eye. Very happy it didn't kick you in the eye. But come on, we don't have to show off your scar now to your friends in school. <laughs> Uh, going down Ollie Watkins maybe and I can expect him to score now at this stage <laughs> he didn't but uh, he was very quiet as well he got a couple of long balls up to him but that was about it really it was a bit more of an anonymous performance from him a bit more of a Jacob Murphy I would say performance just disappearing under the radar nobody noticing you in your career like you don't want that for Ollie Watkins well, if he scores two goals against Spurs the next time he plays him, that'll be all right. <laughs> Jacob Murphy going up. What a player he is. <laughs> One for the future, Conan. <laughs> Anybody else? Anything else that you want to mention before we move on? Ah, we'd be here all night if we really did a proper going down list, wouldn't we? So. Yeah. There's plenty of time in Tuesday night to do the ups and downs as well. After Fulham at home, that's a more more of a benchmark to see if Villa can go. Fulham would actually match the longest unbeaten run this season if they can not lose to Fulham at home. That's really incredible stuff. You and I, Emery, going up as well because of that. And for breaking that record of 19 goals scored in consecutive games too. Uh, questions we can't answer, but probably will. Arsenal really fucked up that title race, haven't they? <laughs> Speaking about the Arsenal mentality, Jesus Christ almighty, like, I thought we were in for a good running anyway, I thought it was interesting at least that Man City had to go beat them, we all thought they would beat them anyway, but at least Arsenal will have a bit of a buffer going into that match, it's going to be, it's going to be Man City two points behind them with two games in hand, it's just ruined it. 
Yeah, and I don't want to call you out in our real life WhatsApp wins, but whenever huh? I say to you, this is getting this is getting interesting now, and you said, yeah, but I hope Man City players can do a bit of maths whenever they're nine points behind Arsenal and realize <laughs> realize that it's not over yet. And look, I obviously don't want Man City to win the title. I mean, that should be blatantly obvious to anyone who listens to the podcast. But if Man City are going to win the title. An, an Arsenal collapse isn't a bad way for it to happen, is it? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty fucking funny that Arsenal are collapsing at this stage of the season and the manner of it as well, letting two goal leads slip and then having to claw, claw one back against the worst, one of the worst teams in the history of the fucking league. It would be incredible if they lost it from this position. It would just be kind of funny as well. And the other reason as well that I want this to happen is because the real, very real chance, and I don't want this to happen either. Very real chance that Man City are now going to win the treble. But if Man City are going to win the treble, it would just be great to know how upset that makes Gary Neville feel. Because do you remember last year when he was willing, willing Man City, the fucking club that is destroying football, he was willing them to win the fucking title last year because he was so bitter he didn't want Liverpool to get on to 20 titles and match his record. And he was worried about Liverpool going on to win the quadruple. Fucking pathetic. As if as if he shouldn't want to see greatness happen during the season. He was desperate for Man City to win the title. And now because of that, I really fucking want Man City to win the treble. Not, yeah. that, not, that, not that I'm as bitter as Gary Neville or anything. <laughs> And Man City would go on to win three in a row as well, just to secure their dominance, match Alex Ferguson's record. <laughs> um, yeah, ah, it's, it's, it is depressing if you think about it in the bigger picture. Very funny in the shorter term picture. <laughs> and when you said about Arsenal throwing away a two-goal lead against one of the worst teams in the league, I thought you were all about Liverpool this season. One of the worst teams <laughs> that we've ever seen in the Premier League. Can't be throwing away a two-goal lead against this Liverpool team, can you? But like, single time I look up the fucking table Liverpool are doing grand what the fuck is they're about to take out a game in hand to take over Villa yeah, what is Liverpool. happening that's how high a standards they've set I suppose but it's so fucking frustrating we draw one game and all of a sudden Liverpool are ahead of us again what yeah, the fuck the is going on <laughs> I actually can't remember Liverpool winning any matches and I know they won a match, they won a match yesterday as well but I don't I don't remember seeing any of it. I don't remember Salah scoring any goals, and he's got about fucking fifteen or sixteen goals. It's uh, uh, it's mad, but yeah. So that's that's it. The league's over, really. Man City have won it. Um, <laughs> you can cut this up, and you can use it. It's not going to be in any danger of aging very badly. I don't think so. Anyway, the one good thing is that Villa definitely will catch Spurs because Spurs are shit, and Villa are quite good. Liverpool will catch Villa. I don't know why I'm doing this now. I don't know why I'm just looking at the league table and talking people through it. I'll, ch- <laughs> I'll chat to you tomorrow. I'll chat to you after the Fulham game. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening. All the best. Yeah, we-